0: This is the Casting Lots Podcast, and you're listening to Casting Lots. We will not comply with the institution's sick
1: illusion. we no, it won't be televised. won't be televised government been telling lies if you're not with us you better step aside witnessing the genocide everything is centralized the food that we consume and they spraying it all with pesticides easily identify the sheep and the snake the real and the fake giving us a reason to pray i'm gonna make my own choices a voice for the voices they trying to destroy us avoiding the poison it's all pointless if you don't have a purpose if you read the verses you'll know who we versing. government can tell you what your worth is look deeper than the surface they don't even want you researching or asking questions we all being tested Shh. Shut your mouth and comply, that's the message Want you to press on prescriptions that mess with your head Got you stressing, suppressing expression Please.
0: Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining. Today is Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Um, and tonight we've got a really good show. We've got a guest here. Some of you know him from Bards Nation. Uh, his screen name is Spooky Mulder, um, but I like to call him Rick. I, I got to know him pretty well. So tonight he's gonna talk a little bit about uh, financial freedom and we'll kind of get more into that. And uh, Rick, how's it going? Hello? Hello. Yep. Can you hear How's it me?
2: going, Rick? It's going pretty well, Tiffany. How are you doing?
0: Good. Thanks for joining us. And I'm excited. We've got uh something planned here and so we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um and then we got Matt over here. Hi. <laughs> he's He's always <laughs> hey, so excited to join us, you know. <laughs> he just he can't wait. This is his favorite day of the week, right? <laughs> uh, Well, before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and just open us in a quick word of prayer. So if you would, please just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight to thank you so very much for giving us this opportunity to once again, just be gathered together in your name, Lord. Uh, We thank you for giving us Rick here tonight, who um, has been put on his heart to help others, Lord. Um, Thank you for Matt, even though he doesn't always have a lot of fun here. He loves being here with us. Uh, And for all the listeners, Lord, thank you so very much for for bringing all these wonderful people together, Lord, to to hear your message. Um, I just ask that you be with us tonight, Lord, and guide us. And whatever message you need us to put out there, Lord, I ask that you just put it on our hearts and that that message is sent to those who need to hear it, Lord. Um, And for those that are hurting or uh, have anxiety or pain tonight, Lord, just please put your loving arms around them and uh, just be with them. And in your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. So can you all hear Rick? Okay. All right, good. So um, Rick, I'll go ahead and let you just kind of take the floor and kind of explain what we got going on here.
2: So I guess I wanted to ask you, Punky, did you want to share this link and have anybody look in so they could visually see what we were talking about
0: sure yeah i can do that we're on a zoom right now so if anybody would like to i'll drop the link in the um, telegram channel Um, rick put together a really nice um, powerpoint here and i can share that too on my channel later Um, but let me grab this link real quick so that we can share this
2: thanks i kind of lost the link so i apologize no
0: problem all right. So do you just want to go ahead and kind of give a little background on this first while I share this link?
2: Sure. I think, uh, many people have probably heard of this program before, and then several people may be familiar with what it is. Others may not know exactly what it is, but might have a little bit of a clue. Uh, this program has helped my wife and I vastly over, uh, several years and Just a quick summary of what it is, is uh, it's Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. And if anybody's familiar with him, he has his own podcast as well called The Dave Ramsey Show. And uh, I just wanted to share it with Bards Nation because it's done such wonders for us. We paid off over $83,000 in just under three years and we have no debt now except for a mortgage and we have not used a credit card since 2016. And uh, as we discussed before, I know that uh, you know Scott talks oftentimes about taking back personal sovereignty and part of that is being out of debt. So I wanted to give back to the family and volunteer my time to do this for others if they were interested. So if anybody wants to look at this PowerPoint, feel free to join in. Um, I'm gonna share it here with Punky and go through it a little bit. But this program is set up to start on March 13th. And what would happen is there are nine different lessons in Financial Peace University. And that allows uh, you to go through a nine week course. What would happen is we would all watch the video before the class convenes. And then we'd get online, and we'd all talk about it and just share ideas and, and talk about our stories with each other.
0: Yeah, Matt and I, um, you know, we sat down with Rick, and we did a zoom, and he just kind of explained a little bit about what it was. And, you know, I know, like, especially during this time, you know, one of the the pillars is, you know, you just you want freedom, you know, that that's really what it's all about It's about freedom, right. And Uh, I know saving. Scott talks about saving money all the time. And, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done. But this course, when Matt was in the army, he said that he had to take a similar course. Uh, They teach you that when you first join the military, you just kind of have that financial freedom because they don't want you to go into debt. And it's so easy to do that, especially in today's world with everything, just inflation and things like that. So uh, Rick said that God put this on his heart. And so, you know, I told him I'd be more than willing to you know, help him spread this word. And, and I know there's a lot of people who, you know, want to be debt free. And so I think this would be a really great course. So I put the Zoom link up um, on the Casting Lots Telegram channel. And I also I shared that in the Bart's family room. And I'm going to take that down after after this um, podcast is over. But if anybody wants to join on the Zoom to see the the screenshots right now, you're more than welcome to join us. So
2: awesome so i'll just go through this real quick with you it's kind of a recap for you punky because you've already kind of been through like you said with matt and i and the three of us talked about it Uh, essentially what this is is um, you know like scott wants us to do everybody needs to be debt free and take back your sovereignty and this is going to help you do it Uh, let's see all right so What financial piece really is, is it's nine lessons, nine weeks. What I was saying earlier is you would join this program. It would cost you a little bit. That is, I think, $80 right now. uh, At the most expensive I've ever seen it. It was 130, but it was the best 130 that my wife and I have ever spent. Because we got out of debt. We don't use credit cards. We do cash for everything. This course is designed for all ages and it's tailored towards families as well. And it uses biblical principles on finances. It's also very hard work and it's gonna take you a long time. And what it is not, it is not a cure to your financial problems. You are the cure to your financial problems. This course can only teach you what to do, but you have to be responsible for yourself and take the initiative to get through it. And it is also not a get rich quick scheme. This is not gonna tell you how to get super wealthy. There's nine lessons. I'm not gonna go through all of these on this call, but you will be able to read through the summaries when you view the PowerPoint, if you pull it up later. Right now on the screen, we've got weeks one through three. Uh, basically, week one is, I think, just kind of a summary of all of the entire course. I think week two is when you hit the uh, debt snowball and they teach you how to get out of debt. That's the hardest part and the most rewarding part. Uh, week three teaches you about emergency funds and having money to you know conquer whatever gets thrown at you. Week four talks about investing and saving for retirement. Um, five, uh, really, it's that one's really more geared towards, uh, you know, the husband and wife working together and determining when it's okay to spend money and how to talk about money so that you don't, you know, blow your rod.
0: All right, uh, I think six. we're all kind of guilty sorry, of that sometimes. I was just gonna say, I think we're all guilty of that sometimes, you know, especially when tax <laughs> season comes around. You're like, oh, I think we need a new TV, you know. So, it, you've got to be, uh, you know, it's gonna teach you just kind of how to how to budget that, control yourself.
2: Yes, uh, week six talks about all the different types of insurances and how they play a part in securing your household for sovereignty. And God forbid, if one of you were to go, this helps protect the family in the long-term and the short-term. So if there's one spouse left, then everything's taken care of for the rest of the family to carry on the mission. And then week seven talks about how you can build wealth long-term. Eight's talking about your house. And if you're going to buy, sell, refinance, how to conquer the mortgage, and then the final course is about once you've got sovereignty, how to give generously with what you have and to be a cheerful giver.
0: Which is exactly what you're doing here. When you approached me with this, you know, you said you guys were able to get out of debt and, uh, you know, you just wanted to be able to pay it forward, which I thought was just amazing because that's what we're here for. You know, they talk about us sharing our gifts. It tells us in the Bible all the gifts that we have, you know, we're supposed to— to help others with those gifts, so um, I thank you for sharing this with me because you know this is something. I think sometimes we think we got it all together, but sometimes we don't, you know. So this course here, it just seems like it's really geared towards really trying to get you out of debt so you don't owe the man.
2: Yes, very much. It's going to help everybody to transition from the system while being in the system so that you can get that money saved and head towards personal sovereignty.
0: Exactly. that's what it's all about, right? Breaking free from the system, so.
2: There's a little bit more that's included if you do get a membership and join this course. There are additional courses that are included with your $80. uh, What that is, is there's a big course on student loans. So they'll teach you how to get out of those pretty quickly. Uh, That one's just a short course. They have another one, which is all about budgeting. Then you can also use the app. Their app is also included with your membership. A membership is for one year at a time. You can continue to renew automatically if you so choose. Uh, that's what my wife and I do. We just don't even look at it because we just like to go on a refresher every single year and keep at it. Then there's the legacy journey. This one is awesome, especially for parents with families, and even uh, if your grandparents are still alive, for the kiddos, this one talks about uh, how to leave a great legacy behind for the next generation and the generation after that. There's another one called Know Yourself, Know Your Money. I haven't studied that one yet. That one's new, so I can't really speak to it. I apologize. There's another one that's really awesome for parents called Smart Money, Smart Kids. And that's essentially Financial Peace University tailored down to a younger level. And there's all kinds of resources that come with that as well. And all those are available for download and a perk that's part of your membership as well.
0: that's you know good for like homeschooling like us teaching our kids about money um i was teaching my fourth grader we're doing you know uh long multiplication and she's like mom why do i need this and long addition and i'm like because you need to learn how to balance your checkbook that's not stuff that they teach you in school so having that smart money and smart kids i think would be a really great course for homeschooling you know teaching the kids that so it would be great
2: it's funny you mention that because there's also actually a homeschool module that's part of that as well, geared towards teenagers. So, anybody who's got teenagers, hey, Wade, welcome to the uh, program. I'll put this back up and um, just flip through here so you can look at them. Uh, there's a homeschool program in there, Punky. So, it's tailored towards teachers, and that allows everybody to um, learn financing at a, a little bit higher level than grade school.
0: And so this is included with that $79.99?
2: Um, no, it's part, you can click on it and get to it from there. But I think it is an extra cost. Okay. And I think they do it per student.
0: All right.
2: I think it's like 40 bucks per student. Are there any questions? I see there's a chat thing here. I don't know how this works. Oh, I see. Sorry, I'm old. I'm not a Zoom person.
0: <laughs> You're good.
2: So that was that was pretty short and to precise and to the point. Was there anything else? I didn't want to interrupt your program too much. I just wanted to to give a little uh, summary.
0: Yeah, no. Um, I don't know if anybody has any questions. You can feel free to email me at the podcast at gmail.com. Or um, how could they get a hold of you? If they uh, you good. can email
2: me directly. My email is spooky.molder.fbi <laughs> at PM, me.
0: And again, that is spooky.molder.fbi. Nope. pm pm.me
2: pm.me
0: okay i just put that in the chat for those that are interested so um yeah i you know i'm excited to take this course and I, again if anybody's interested in doing it um you know feel free to to message either of us and um you know we can give you some more information on that and i'm going to be sharing all the slides that rick put together so i can you know if you want to kind of get more and there's videos too you can look online uh what is it called again
2: Financial Peace University.
0: Financial Peace University. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be sharing more information on my Telegram page for those that are interested. And uh, again, if you're, you know, you want to join this course with us, we're going to do it, what, what do you say, every Monday? We were going to do it Monday night?
2: It'll be every Monday night. And I believe it's at 7 p.m. Okay. Eastern time.
0: So six central, six our time. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. And, um, There's a workbook, too, that goes along with this course, right?
2: There is a workbook that goes along with it. You can actually, if you do join, you can download the digital copy, and it's a PDF format. Uh, What's new this year is they've made it so that you can actually annotate and save in the PDF.
0: Okay. Okay. So you don't have to
2: print it out. You can actually put your numbers and information in there and work directly off the computer. Okay. Awesome. So
0: what's tonight's topic? Tonight, uh, actually, I was given a book by my adopted mother, uh, Catherine. Uh, it's by Dr. Scott Jensen, and it's called We've Been Played, Explo- Exposing the Triad of Tyranny. And I actually just got it in the mail today. So thank you, Catherine, for sending this to me. Um, there's a whole lot in here. And as soon as I opened the book, I came uh, to, it was like in the middle. Chapter 15, it talks about a soldier's tough as battle. And so God just put it in my heart. This is what I needed to talk about tonight. And I've got a soldier here with me. So um, it's going to be, you know, it, there's a whole lot that I don't think people realize that, um, you know, soldiers or, you know, any veteran um, when they leave, everybody thinks just because they get home from war that they're okay. They're safe. But for a lot of people. A lot of veterans, the war is just starting when you get home. So that's kind of what we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. The the forgotten heroes.
2: Cool.
0: So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I asked Matt if he was okay. You know, because sometimes, you know, um, it's hard to, to bring up those old memories and things like that. So he was all right with it. So that's why he's so excited tonight. Right, Matt? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Any soldier, it's the whole family, it really does. It affects the whole family, um, and so, um, well, yeah. Does anybody have any questions for Rick before we um, finish that topic the chat? If not, then uh, I want to read this chapter. This is It was really profound and it, it kind of hit me hard. So I'm going to go ahead and, and read this. It's not very long says, I remember feeling a horrid sense of you gotta be kidding me when he unexpectedly disclosed that he had struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD for 40 years and had recently attempted suicide. He told me about his mental demons and after his mother died, he had moved north to settle his affairs and prepare to once and for all end his private painful war. I wondered how I had not picked up on his inner conflict in our long ago visits. Why had I not recognized the powerful pain that Pete was facing all alone? I had taken care of him for 25 years but i had never seen his torment i asked him do you want to tell me about it yeah doc i think i'd like to and he did his story was astonishing not because of the gruesome battlefield details but for the grisly mental trauma and pain he had borne here's what he told me doc i had been in vietnam for about a year and my responsibilities focused on the prisoner apprehension program I traveled across the country, delivering or picking up prisoners, getting them where they needed to be for various legal proceedings. I never saw it coming. The mission was supposed to be routine, with three of us going to pick up two prisoners, both US soldiers, and transporting them back to base camp. We found out along the way that one of the prisoners was accused of killing another soldier in his platoon, which was weird, and the whole situation turned out to be anything but mundane. So we picked up these two guys who were flying back to base on board a Huey helicopter when we were shot down very close to the Cambodian border. The pilot did a great job of landing the burning Huey, but none of us was seriously injured, so we were able to hit the ground running and get away from the flames as fast as possible. But everything changed when the helicopter exploded. The nearby trees caught fire and roared. We could just as well have been put out a news bulletin that we were in the area, and sure enough, North Vietnamese soldiers realized an opportunity and rushed to grab it. I figured hostiles would be spreading out, trying to outflank us, and the things would heat up pretty quickly. And I wasn't wrong. Soon enough, we could hear soldiers scurrying about the jungle, moving towards us. And though I didn't speak North Vietnamese, I knew these weren't friends coming to help. I got so nervous, doc, to think I may be just a few minutes away from being dead, or maybe even worse, about to become a POW in a North Vietnamese prison camp. I was actually too scared to think. I simply reacted and moved away from the voices and toward where I thought we might find a South Vietnamese base camp. Me and my guys moved as quietly and as quickly as we could. I was so filled with fear, I thought I'd throw up. I felt even worse when I saw how my buddies were acting. They were taking the situation in stride and doing what needed to be done. But there I was, scared silly. Dr. Jensen, I kid you not, there in the middle of Vietnamese jungles, I was in danger, on foot, outnumbered, but most of all disgusted with myself for not being brave. The next three days were pure hell and we did our best to avoid the enemy. Based on voices, sounds, and locations, we thought they probably outnumbered us by about 10 to one. We couldn't give our prisoners guns so they wouldn't be much help. We were in a real pickle. We desperately tried to connect with friendlies, South Vietnamese or American soldiers, but we didn't know where best to look. We could tell the enemy was tracking us and slowly closing in. Time wasn't on our side. We were in territory we had never seen before and couldn't know what was on the other side of the next hill. We did everything we could to mask our movements and positions. But at night, when things got quiet, we could sometimes hear North Vietnamese soldiers talking and barking orders. They weren't far away. It was the third night out when things got really hairy. It was pitch black, no moon, no stars. And I was doing the final two hour watch before dawn. I could hear North Vietnamese soldiers nearby and it sounded like they were advancing. We had taken cover on high ground under a rock, outcropping and had been hunkered down for about six hours. We lit no fires and conversation was nothing more than a few whispered observations and instructions. I worried my breathing was too noisy. My guts were jelly. I prayed for a miracle. I thought the end was near. I wish I could forget that night, Doc, but I can't. My throat was so dry I couldn't swallow. I wanted to cry like a baby. My fingers never left the trigger of the machine gun I cradled, not for two whole hours. There was a jungle to my left and a swamp behind me. I could hear North Vietnamese soldiers coming. Their voices carried in the night. I didn't know what they were saying. I hated myself for thinking it, but I thought about calling out and surrendering. I wanted to live. I didn't wanna die in a gun battle I knew we couldn't win. And just one surrender seemed like the best option. I melted with fear in the thought of being a POW. And then I decided that I would fight and die rather than live as a prisoner. All night long, I flip flopped between giving up and dying. I knew I was a coward and I hated knowing. I was so damn scared. The night went on forever, but finally sunlight cracked. The Eastern sky and my buddies and I roused our prisoners and started moving to the East toward what we thought was friendly territory. The morning I was point man, which meant that I had recon in front of the others. I saw a movement about a hundred yards in front of me and I jerked my rifle to my shoulder, sighting where the movement had been. I saw a soldier with the South Vietnamese insignia on his right shoulder, so I hollered at the top of my lungs, "Choi," Hoi, which meant my friend. The soldier turned and saw me and yelled likewise. We approached each other, and when he clapped me on the shoulder, I fell to my knees and shook. Everything bubbled out and I could barely speak. I mumbled, my eyes watered, My South Vietnamese protector seemed to understand. He said nothing, just sort of stood by keeping me safe. My buddies arrived at my position with the two prisoners in hand and eight more South Vietnamese soldiers joined us. Everybody seemed way more in control than me and that made me feel even worse. I remember thinking that I had never realized what a coward I was. We all marched down to the jungle together and it seemed that with each step I regained more composure We arrived safely at a camp in a few hours. Doc, I never ever talked about my fear with anyone. I was ashamed. I finished my tour of duty and got the hell out of the military. After a long moment, I said, Pete, that's an amazing story. I'm blown away. Doc, he replied, when I left Vietnam, I thought all the bad stuff was over and I would just get on living my life. I was so wrong. Little did I know that my toughest struggles were yet to come. Soon after getting back home, I started experiencing odd thoughts. Guilt trips, I guess, and they wouldn't leave me alone. My mind was like a battlefield, Mm -hmm. and something was always chasing me. I couldn't get away, and whenever I tried to hide of thinking of something other than Vietnam, these toxic accusations found me and taunted me. Over time, I realized the source of my torment was my guiltlessness during the mission in Nam, and there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't get away from the guilt. I was a mess and kept getting worse. I had a demon in my head, and I couldn't do anything about it. I hated myself, and yet there was mom, needing me, living with me. I had to be there for her, stay alive for her, but once she was gone, there was really nothing stopping me from ending it all by just blowing out my brains. Pete, I had no idea, I answered. How could you? I kept those things locked tight in my head. Forty years after I almost died in Vietnam, my mom's death opened a door. I had worked very hard at keeping shut. Her passing gave me a weird kind of permission to go where I was afraid to go. Didn't want to go, but I felt I had to. I knew I couldn't stay where I was. My demons were winning and something snapped. Did you notice you never saw me again after mom died? I wanted to talk to you with my screwed up thinking because I knew I was in trouble, but I couldn't do it. Laying my hand on his shoulder, I whispered, Pete, I wish I had been there for you. I thought you had simply retired to your cabin up north. You couldn't have known, he said. I was already pretty far down the road, miserable and confused and scared. Pretty much holding everything in until mom left to meet her maker pete you were so good to your mom always making sure her every need was taken care of she may not have told you but she told me many times how proud she was of you thanks you know doc i remember when she asked you to throw her in the river because she was too old to be of any use i still chuckle about that every once in a while she was a little stubborn but her heart was always in the right place i said Anyway, in those days, if I wasn't taking care of mom, all I could think about was enemy soldiers wanting to kill me in the pitch black of night and me being a coward while my buddies were brave. Then mom passed and the thoughts got worse and worse until they just took over. Looking back, I had already started to die. I just needed to pull the trigger. But when it got down to doing it, I couldn't. I'm sure glad you didn't, Pete, I said. Thank God. I called the vet's hospital. Those folks saved my life. I spent a lot of time there. They told me I had a sort of nervous breakdown. A psychiatrist explained why I was feeling what I was feeling. And the counselors helped me look at bravery and courage in a different light. I was pretty mixed up and it was really important for me to learn that fear isn't the same as being a coward. And sure enough, I slowly got better. I let go a lot of the poison inside of my head and quit feeling so guilty. And now that I'm back, I'm here to stay. We sat there for a few moments in silence and then I offered Pete, I'm sure glad some good people were there to help you. When Pete's mom died, I assumed he had done what he dreamed of doing, moving to the North Woods and enjoying a slower pace, more hunting and fishing during the day, more campfires and stars in the night, but that's not what he did. He didn't get up to go north and enjoy the smell of pine trees and beckoning of loons. No, Pete retired to his cabin to withdraw from an unwinnable contest with his private demons. Thankfully, he reached out to me before pulling the trigger and he was rescued from his tormentors. Talk therapy and some medication really helped. Overcoming the lure of a quick suicide, Pete had once again found value in living. We talked a long time that morning. We talked about fear and courage and how the two can work in tandem during situations like Pete faced in Vietnam. We agreed that courage is bravery in the midst of fear, and this is what he had lived through. He and his buddies had refused to surrender despite incredible fear and trepidation. They knew life would be theirs with surrender, and yet the kind of life might be worse than death. As G.K. Chesterson wrote, he must desire life like water and yet drink death like wine. For one night these soldiers had held the power to turn water into wine. And that is the end of that. That is such a powerful story. That's exactly it. And you know, I know so many of us, you know, we talk about like going to war. And, you know, we want to, we all want to fight back. We want to take back what's rightfully ours, you know, but I don't really think that most people truly understand what war really is, you know, um, so many before us, they, they lay down their lives so that we could have freedom. And it just seems that, you know, every day we just get closer and closer to losing that freedom and. I can tell you from experience, you know, I was a military wife for some time. And when Matt first joined the army, um, we had friends and we hung out with everybody all the time. And it was like, it was like college, you know, like a frat house. Um, these guys went to war and when they came back, things were so different. These people that I knew, uh, you could just see it in their eyes, you know, something inside them had changed. And that's something that until you've gone to war, I don't think you can truly understand. You know, I don't ask many questions. Um, You know, people want to open up about that. You know, I was involved with our local uh, veterans group, and I tried to help out as much as I could there. And um, when Matt got back, he had to go to the VA. Um, Where is it? What city is that? Uh, It's right outside of Chicago. Uh, And it's kind of a rough area, but this hospital, they served raw chicken. They had rats. Uh, we went and I w- he was at his appointment, and I just remember sitting there. We just had—I think maybe two, maybe three kids at that time. You got the sandwich. Yeah, I got a sandwich from the vending machine, and it was moldy, like it'd it's been weird. expired. It was like a week expired, and just seeing some of these men—they're they, probably from Nam or even from World War II. This is about what ten years ago. Yeah. Um just seeing their eyes, you can, you, you look in their eyes and you can just see that there's pain there, there's sorrow. And I don't think that we truly understand that. And we, we treat our veterans. So I, I don't even know the word, you know, um, and we see what's going on. You know, all these soldiers are being kicked out of the military because they're refusing this bio weapon. And um, we really don't, We don't understand the extremity of of what is, you know, many think, like I said, just because these soldiers returned back from war that they're okay. Hey, they made it home safe, but for many, the war is just beginning. You know, I, I know when Matt came home from Iraq, he was a different person. I didn't even recognize him, you know, and it's been many years and we've talked through things and we've worked through things and, you know, some days, are good <laughs> some days are not so good you know but um we never really truly understand and I know so many people are all about like let's you know rise up against the government and let's do this and that but I don't think people are ready for that you know um I mean for you like what what before you left what what was war like in your mind <laughs> before you left
3: in my
1: mind before I left Expectation was like Hollywoodish, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody goes and watches the movies, and you see all the wonderful scenarios, and it goes through like a, like a game of uh, chess. Like you're expecting the whole scenario to be checkers, where it's it's black and white, and it's, it turns more into like um, normalizing chaos.
0: Well you're deployed, you mean when yeah. you're at war? Like when
1: you're at war. It's like it's it's a normal chaos and it becomes it becomes like a rhythm. Like it's like once you put yourself in in that position and you you, you like you're not even exposed to uh to outside entity, right? So not getting shot at, not no bombs, no no, nothing. It's uh, everybody kind of comes into like a mindset together, and when you you settle down, it. You
0: mean while you're deployed? Yeah, like
1: when you're deployed, you, you settle down into like a like a different space, and you just kind of live there.
0: Well, can you tell the story of what happened when you first got to Iraq with Chalmers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, was, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the yeah. you're on on top of the roof. Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> no, oh, we we just came in and, and we lived in the uh, the old portion of town. Uh, a portion of the city had been converted into a base, and the uh, one of the 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 instances was like a hotel room. That's what it used to be, and it, it was all bombed uh, to shits. And uh, we had an access letter on top, and we used to go up there and play cards. Uh, and, and you you could see the whole entire city. It was in the southern portion of the city, and you could see and hear like the uh, Ramadan fair jam two thousands going on <laughs> in like nine different directions. <laughs> what a time to be alive! Oh, but no, we we went up there and uh, <laughs> we were playing uh, uh, cards, and then Walinga well, I think was another guy one of the guys up there, and they were playing the uh, playing with the golf balls. We used to hit golf balls that we got from the uh, the previous previous battalion and knock them into the city of the, uh, the kids used to, uh, that were close enough to the edge. They would, uh, throw pop rocks and, uh, like little, little poppers in there. Um, or they would shoot at you, which is always a, <laughs> a fun thing.
0: And these uh, kids, I mean, how old are we talking?
1: Like Caden's age.
0: So like 12, like a 12 year old shooting at you. Yeah. That was just a normal though. way of life. Or?
1: Yeah. It's like, uh, like you got, you got, it's like the introduction to the street smarts really fast. Um, when you go outside the gate, it's, it's a procedure. Uh, people are, uh, are starving in, in some places. Like their food, you know, it depends on like, they have like, you know, nine or 10 kids. Um, so there would be children lined up outside whenever you go um, and then grown ass adults too. And they would expect food. Uh, it was like a, it was an exchange, right? Like a rites of passage to get through, um, they were more respective and, and vocal, <laughs> and tell you, you know, you know, mind you to be, be careful in certain parts of the city, um, and if you did not, then you just became like cannon fodder at that time. They, they were not nice; they would throw rocks at your Humvees. So it, it's an expected behavior. So like it, it just that was oh uh, was a interesting introduction, but they, yeah, there would be, you know, some, because there's no, uh, some children don't even know their ages. Like they're, they're illiterate to a certain extent. Oh, uh, um, or they have some kind of preconceived notion. Uh, so I don't know, it's, it's, it's weird, because uh, it, it's a I different
0: have, way of life. Yeah. And I didn't have children at the time. So it was a, uh, I was pregnant with, with
1: Kayden and, and, and so. It was introduction to children and like you would go through scenarios where uh you would uh do humanitarian forces and you would bring soccer balls and you know shoes and stuff like that
0: i remember those pictures they showed that you guys were handing out backpacks and 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 you're trying to
1: you're trying to build those sociable ties and then like uh like, like a week later you would see you know three or four of those backpacks on bodies, or and you know, they have been blown up or, or shot. Um,
0: and that's not something we see here every day, no, so
1: it, it's like it would be like living in Chicago during the summertime,
0: Chirac,
1: yeah, but like with explosions, and I don't know, like gunfire is one thing, right? You become from become pre to it, I guess, you, you yeah. know, you, it becomes like a normal thing. Um, but like explosions are a different thing. Human bodies afterwards are a completely different thing too. But, um, but yeah, uh, children were or the the the, pre- the precursor to a lot of people. It's a, it's a it's different when you have to look at children differently.
0: You do your enemy regardless of age. I mean, like
1: enemy. It's like uh, everything becomes a vital viral threat, right? And it's a different type of war because it's there. There's no uniform, right? So everybody is is like, either you're completely, totally relaxed the whole time and like have no care in the world, or you are, you know, redlining every day. And it's like trying to find that balance. Like you're, you you can walk out your door and you just kind of mosey on down the street and you see somebody in the street and you're just like, oh, just person walking their dog, no no biggie over there. It's like, okay, kid with backpack, uh, another child person has their face covered. It's like nine adult males, and you're just like cataloging all this in your head the whole time, and it's like a it's an information overload, right? It's like watching news, like seven different news channels, and trying to process every piece of mm-hmm. information. And and it's, it's like a switch, and you can't can't turn it down, and it stays like that. It's like a, it runs high, and, and but what's crazy is like it doesn't affect everybody exactly the same way.
0: Right?
1: No, some people are able to turn the switch on and off, and that's a, an envious, but like. And you hear stories of those people that could do that they they can't, they can't deal with being outside so like you know they they become a, they become conditioned to the internals
0: My dad said is praying a big part in the military when a soldier is free time a quiet time
1: uh, some some people it's a definitely a uh, uh, you become engulfed in it uh, either you are uh, religious to whatever extent i and, heard
0: everybody becomes like a christian in the foxhole
1: Uh yeah <laughs> it's easy it's easy to to the big man upstairs whenever uh things go wrong uh and yeah i don't know um but you uh you definitely um you know like like lee you know he how he was beforehand i mean he was from alabama and uh but he really really engulfed his his faith during uh, that. And I saw other people that completely fell to the wayside. Like he, everything that humanly could go possibly wrong. Uh, like Smith, or the a dude in another battery. His his grandparents died in like a car accident. Mm-hmm. And then his mother got diagnosed with cancer like two weeks later. And then mm-hmm. his girlfriend left him in somewhere that midst and he found out that he was pregnant. She was pregnant with another dude's child and so there was like it was like a culmination and like he handled it damn good well and then we had other people <laughs> who like i got locked in the room with who had like one instance and they they go completely nuts because it's that, it's that um it, it's a it's a curse like technology overseas right mm-hmm. because you can uh, you know during World War one and World War two and even like in Vietnam to a certain extent besides like, I mean you had your ham radios and stuff when you could still call uh, there was no the visual like the visualization of of your your loved ones and stuff there's a disconnect that needs to occur for a person to enter into like that mind space right mm-hmm. I I don't need to know that you exist back over here and I don't need and if you do exist that's it I just need to take like a picture of you in time and that needs to stay like that Um, Because if you entail problems that are occurring over here that I cannot actively fix uh, and you're trying to deal with everything that's going on at that point in time. Well, your focus has to
0: be on on your job, right? You can't worry about us back home. But like,
1: you know, there's good and bads of that because then you go to the USO and it's good to see like your family after like a like a mission or if like you had like a really stressful day, that's like a good decompress. Or, you know, some of the guys would go to the gym, other guys would uh, go and pray. Uh, Everybody was always willing to help the chaplain out because the chaplain had wine. Um, The
0: chaplain had wine. uh,
1: Chaplain Kim for the bottles. Um,
0: Somebody had asked earlier, it was Rick, he had asked, uh, do they see chaplains often? Do chaplains get deployed with battalions?
1: Yes, chaplains get deployed with battalions. Uh, uh, chaplain's assistance. Uh, everybody becomes religious downstairs, uh, downrange, right? Right. Uh, even people who are atheists, or, or, you know, I've seen people who have no religion attached to something. Uh, whether it's they, uh, you know, they're in theater and they feel the the Ramadan, the prayer jam <laughs> 2020 going on. And they, they're like, can hey. you explain
0: what that is? All right. So, <laughs>
1: so uh, whenever uh, Muslims pray, different times just as if christianity has their different segmentations you got your catholics and stuff they have different you know segmentations inside of uh, yeah uh so they're always blaring their music so different synagogues and stuff were blasting their music and it's like a competition because you have different you know different tribes inside of there and different you know different families So it's like, it's like, oh, we can be louder. You know, we'll be louder. Our music will cover this. And it's just like, everybody's praying all at one time and everybody's got like nine different loudspeakers going, (laughs) going, ah, up and down. Uh, One of the
0: times when I, I, we didn't get to zoom very often, but one of the first times that I had talked to him when he was there, uh, (laughs) he's obviously in the other side of the world. So we're different time zones. And it's probably like two in the morning for me when I'm talking to him. And all of a sudden I hear this music in the background and, you know, it's the their prayer music. And I'm like, what is that? Like, I thought, like, oh, no, <laughs> like they're being attacked or something, you know. And here it's just, you know, it's a different time of day and they're praying. And so we would laugh like when we would talk is like, oh, is it prayer jam time now? <laughs> you know? So um, it was just funny. Oh, my goodness. Uh,
1: but yeah, you would, uh, you know, you go through uh, that and then help the chaplain and then uh uh they would drive missions and then
0: uh so they would go out on missions yeah chaplains? so like
1: not like like they would do more like troop engagement uh uh in those kind of things keep morale up uh chaplains have the uh, they they literally put their faith to test because they don't carry any kind of weapons in theater oh my goodness no uh you know it's not it, even a
0: pistol no, nothing
1: wow uh, which they they are able, I believe, now to to carry if they choose to. Uh, but chaplain Kim was from uh, South Korea, and he was in the Rock Army for nine years. Oh. He had knives all over. him. He stuck. He no, also the had the knives. Days. Just didn't have. Wait, I mean, he, that was that wasn't like a uh, no chaplain. I mean, there was like four other chaplains that were old and crusty that they didn't, <laughs> not, they didn't carry
0: nothing. They just, you're old and crusty too, so don't.
1: Oh, <laughs> <tell me. laughs> uh, they would, they would leave everything up to the chaplain's assistant. That's who's tasked with you know, taking care of them. Um, but no, they are very important um, uh, because it, it brings uh, it brings a calming to the soul, right? Um, no matter what religion you are, everybody can gather in prayer uh, just from the commonality of uh, of of everybody uh, being all right, and then that we are one family, and that we love each other a lot more uh, than the other people love each other so uh-huh. <laughs> and, and and you just kind of go with that and, you know like the softball type of instance you know a lot of softball why the hell not hit it you know
0: well yeah. i know like i said earlier um when you got back i could just tell you that you were different obviously um
1: well, because your interactions change right well, it's yeah. uh, uh everybody's worn out like a lot after deployments because you're with these people constantly and to a point where it's like I knew more about those people uh, I knew more about some people that I have met for five or six months than I knew about us like in eight, 18 20 years mm-hmm. and you get that in depth uh, because there's nobody else you you're, you're, you're the uh, you're the judge you're, you're you're the psychiatrist you're the everything uh, to some people. Right. And some people don't have family back home, um, or they don't have good communication skills. Like they, uh, they never were close with their family, and you know they're not going to get close with them now. You and know, you so bottle
0: they, it up. You don't you know, talk about it. Bottle
1: it up, or they, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, don't don't engage that side. Any well,
0: I know, like with you, like me, I, I'm all about. I'm very big on communication. I think communication is key to any relationship, whether it be, you know, like your husband or your wife or your parents, or, you know, even a work relationship. When you uh, communicate with people, you know, you solve a lot of problems. And for me, like I wear my heart on my sleeve, um, you know, and I'll tell you if something's bothering me. Whereas Matt, you're more closed off. You know, you're the complete opposite. You, You keep everything in. And I've known you for 22 years. I've been with you for 22 years. And I know you better, I think, sometimes than you know yourself. <laughs> and so. dollar <laughs> But, you know, it's like I, I always know when you're you're going through a time. And I give you your space, but at the same time, you know, like, I'm here for you. And I think um, when you guys came back from war, a lot of those guys, they lived in the barracks. They didn't have that. They didn't have somebody to turn to. They didn't have somebody, you know, to cry on or, you know, uh, talk um, two. It's,
1: it's like different, right? Because like everybody wants their own space after after a certain while. But uh, it, it's kind of like the birds leaving the nest type syndrome. Uh, you get so accustomed to being around or somebody being there twenty four seven that when they're not there, um, it's different. It's like uh, it's like going, you know having a child with you, you know, for 20 years or 18 years and, you know, and then one day they just up and leave and they're, you know, <laughs> they're yeah. gone. I mean, it's the closest I could probably assemble, assimilate to the feeling too. of like, you get so engaged with people when you're deployed. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Like when you talk about PTSD and stuff like that, not, not even the fighting portion. Right. Uh, it's just it's it's a study your your brain gets stuck in a certain place in time and you don't progress forward right and, and some people um, They have other traumatic experiences that tack onto onto that right your smells your triggers
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh You know I can smell old burning and I get easily drifted back or if I smell like uh uh, like cedarwood and stuff like that uh, because they would burn specific type of uh, these little beaties, uh tobaccos, they were the way that it, the scent, it, it, it's burned in whenever we have like fire campfires and stuff, it, you just, it, it sucks you back in. It's not like a, um, at least not for me. It's not like a, I, I hallucinate and I, you know, see stuff. I mean, uh, we're past that. <laughs> we're past that portion. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, uh, but like you get your, your, your feelings. I don't know. It's like muscle memory, like your, your, Mm -hmm. your muscles tense up and your heart rate, it gets elevated. Um, And it's kind of like, it's like constant anxiety and you don't know what the hell is going on. It's like your body's reacting and your brain's like, oh, what the hell are you doing? Uh, And then your body's like, I'm just doing what I know. (laughs) And like, it's going to, it's a conflicting battle and you don't know what's going on. And then you get dopamine dumps and then eventually the dopamine dumps are gone. And, and then like empty and you go through like a oh, like a hollow period and then you you come back to circle and that's the thing it's like a um we talked about it before it's like seasons you know you just got to last through the season yeah i know if there's winter and eventually there's going to be a summer or a spring um and it's it's like some people it looks like until you learn how to like, navigate, it, right? I think I've, I've taken gradual steps and progression to get better. Oh, for better. sure.
0: Big steps. You've yeah. taken big steps.
1: So, like, you learn the first the first carousel ride around is, like, you know, the, the, uh, the same whenever you're on ride 388. You know, it doesn't get any better. It's just you learn different tools and mechanisms to deal with how passing the, the ride, you know, stare at, the, stare at the horse in front of you, uh, stare at the handlebar, uh, play guitar, <laughs> yeah. sing.
0: Uh, well, everybody's got their own way of coping, and that's not just the military, but you know- no,
1: like- and just in general. I mean, PTSD can it's yeah. not just it's right. not it's a, it's not just solely for uh, you know first responders or anything like that. It's just that you, you generally you see that more common that, but you know you could uh, you could be a college kid and then have something traumatic happen to you and have right. PTSD from it and stuff like for
0: that for sure. And everybody deals with grief in in. Sadness and anger differently, you know, you uh, you've come a long way, you know, uh, I prayed and I prayed, I prayed a long time for you. You probably are of all the people in this world. I think I prayed for you the most and I'm still you are still a work in progress and I know we're going to get you to heaven. So we're, if y'all would please just pray for Matthew because we're trying. But, um, you know, when you got out of the army, I noticed that there was a big change in you. So we had the change from when you got back from Iraq and then when you got out of the army i think it was a lot harder when you actually got out of the army i mean do you want to talk a little bit about how you got retired out
1: oh, i used medically retired out and then after i got medically retired out uh
0: well why did you get medically retired out what happened
1: Knees, me he gone back on
0: <laughs> yeah. old, old age <laughs> yeah so for those that don't know he got medically discharged so that was an honorable discharge um he had several knee surgeries while he was in the army and he just, what did you have your third one? Yeah. A couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and so because his knee was messed up, he in turn messed up his back. And um, he had what they call a profile. He wasn't supposed to be running, doing PT every day. And there was a new, what was he acting for a sergeant? Yeah,
1: acting for a sergeant. And then, uh, yeah, uh, told me to either run. <laughs> run this way or run that way. Right. Uh, so I took about, I don't know, 15, 20 meters and then uh, uh, took on my femoral tract little, little chippy chip and then uh, leg kind of completely numb. And
0: Yeah, well, yeah. so you were on this profile and this acting first sergeant made you do it and that caused you to have another surgery, which yep. again, that messed up your knee and then messed up your back and yeah. so you got medically retired from the military yeah, and
1: military like poof be gone
0: yeah and that so you have the out processing i remember that that was crazy yeah
1: and it's just like the story the, the process
0: internet. the whole long process <laughs> like just give me my papers so i can go <laughs> <on. laughs> um but okay so so the transition then from like when you got out i noticed that you were really depressed when you got out
1: just because it's it's like the stockholm syndrome uh, you get captured by the uh, the military, and you get engulfed in the lifestyle, and um, it becomes more so. It's the people you're around, right? It's a uh, it, it's a uh, we call it the prolonged high school effect, right? Where you're in high school, and or you go to school with people, and it's just, so those are the high school years, and you just never want them to end. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, people go through different motions too. I mean, if if you get you get attached to individuals inside the military you uh uh you get a niche in there and then somebody comes up on orders and you're not up on orders it's a different thing because you get used to seeing these people every day so
0: yeah christian in training said don't get me wrong though i have the utmost respect for all the military i just don't agree with what our government was going over there to fight for i
1: 100 agree on that
0: one. <laughs> i think we're on agreement there you know yeah. it's you're fighting the rich man's war And I think that's what pissed me off and forgive my language on that, but that's my righteous anger coming out. Um, because my husband, you know, this person, we were together for goodness, seven years, then he joined the military. Right. And then
1: like, but like military for me was not like a nine 11 thing. Right. No, that was like, I grew up, I mean, that was all we had around my house. Either you became an agriculture guy, you, you know, worked in the fields, uh, as a farmer or you, uh, you went to school and you were lucky enough to do that, yeah. uh, or you sold drugs, that was, that was literally the, about the only,
0: well, you're from a small town, town yeah. and I'm a city girl, you know, <laughs> that, so but for that, did. that transition though, like getting out of the military, um, you know it's like like you said you're accustomed to this lifestyle and even for me being a military wife you know i never wanted to be a military wife i didn't want to move around i didn't want to constantly have to worry about my husband being deployed um but like i said we were together for a long time before he joined the military and the mat that i knew then is you know the it's a different mat today which you know we all grow and we all change which is normal but um, when he first got out, it was really, really hard. It was hard for me. You know, you know, all the statistics, you know, you've seen, you know, how many people have you lost from your unit that, you uh, know,
1: 32,
0: 32, you know, people, even I knew Flynn Flynn. Um, yeah. we took our kids to the zoo together, you know, yeah. and, you know, he's no longer with us and, uh, that hit hard, you know, and, and even me just being a wife, but, um, no, know, I, I always had it in the back of my head, like, am I going to be like, you know, a single mom? Am I, you know, and you think about that, it, it, you know, so the war, again, for many, it's just starting when they return back from, from war. And it changes people. I've seen it firsthand. And, you know, like I said, I prayed and prayed and prayed for him because, um, you know, I missed Matt. I missed the Matt I knew, you know, and again, we all grow and we change, you know, but... Slowly, you're you're coming back around. You found ways to cope, in um, yeah, your guitar.
1: I like, play guitar. That's I mean, your best you used to to, I mean, play guitar, hang out with the uh, <laughs> hang out with Tom, do, uh, and uh, Steve. Yeah,
0: and I know sometimes you need your space, like as we all do. Yeah,
1: I mean it's just like natural, right? But nobody wants. I mean, become accustomed to to that kind of stuff, and um, no, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's uh, like for some people like, and I never knock it. Those people that like when the other methods. I mean, the the group talk is just not a, not not for me. What it's do you mean group like 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 the coping mechanisms oh, like for PTSD and stuff? Uh-huh. Like the group talk is not for me. The, the medicine, sure, <laughs> no,
0: people. no, the medicine, and I'm all for that. I don't smoke and I don't drink anymore. Um, but I see some of these veterans smoking marijuana, and I've seen like. It's natural. Again, I'm not, I don't smoke it, but I'm for that because I've seen what medication has done to these people. And it's like, you're zombies.
1: Yeah, It's like the Kanye West effect, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, uh, you know, when he was doped up, he just, you know, he gained the, the crap ton of weight and he just did not like that that kind of person. That's kind of what it's like being on PTSD medicine. It's just, uh, you're there, you're conscious, uh, but you like have no feelings any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, it, it's hard. Um, Wade asked, I'm curious how Matt sees Donnie O'Malley from Vet TV, which you know. Oh, Donnie. <laughs> and Matt the BRCC type fellow, is being there to help veterans transition with comedy, making a mission out of keeping their brothers sane and alive once they're back. I, they're
1: wonderful people, man. I mean, Donnie is, uh, he definitely has a, a flamboyant personality, but that's to be expected. Like I don't know. like Marines have that that energetic stuff and he's kept it, you know, it, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they just don't fit in, but he, you know, he's done, done wonders. Um, even like a success standpoint, taking a business and turning it into, uh, to what it is. And then, uh, still doing, still staying true to who he is and doing rock marches, like doing the whole, oh, yeah. ruck, you know, he does and does rock marches and, and intermingles with people. And,
0: yeah.
1: you know, Matt best does the same thing with music and, uh, you know the coffee company and
0: crispy i love crispy oh you know,
1: yeah crispy i mean just think about that you know uh being burned but alive Man, if and, you don't know what's his ha-
0: real name uh, omar omar
1: he, but just having a, an outlook he has on life afterwards right he's uh very appreciative uh and just you know all around hell of a guy and very appreciative of life right? oh
0: yes and i think once you go through something like that he lost what a leg and yeah, well, he
1: lost his leg afterwards, cancer uh, after getting, you know, uh, I think third degree burns, first degree burns over 90% of his body. Yeah,
0: you know, and that's what we talk about a lot. You know, I wrote a paper when I first started going back to school. Uh, I interviewed some of the guys that, you know, we used to hang out with. And, you know, I just asked them how their, um, their life is now that they've been back. And, you know, like I said, the war really starts when they get back from the war zone um they all got divorced yeah. um you know uh, bankruptcy financial debt depression uh just so a lot much of drugs a lot of drugs yeah they, you know <laughs> not, not to... like a
1: not just like you know pot or stuff like that they mean, talking about like heroin ecstasy and just like anything to drown out because uh, you know eventually people are like oh i don't want to drink i don't want to become an alcoholic but uh, uh i'll go well uh, you know shoves uh, syringes in my arm all day long type type ordeals
0: yeah people are looking for a medicine way out to to get out of their own mind and um you know again that that happens with a lot of people and you know not just the military but they're, they're looking for that way out they're looking for something to numb that pain and um
1: you no know, it's crazy like we had like minimal casualties like when we were overseas Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and like in our unit, everybody was it was pretty much a okay. Uh, Malone,
0: I mean, we, though, I
1: remember? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, oh. we got, uh, but then we had a couple of people that got gunshot wounds and, you know, shrapnel mm-hmm. here and there. And, but, you know, we we're blessed enough to uh, to not have that. But what was the roller coaster effect? It was like, after we all got out and everybody was like not staying in touch, it was like, okay, well, this person died. Okay, well, that's that, right. Maybe yeah. a fluke. And then it was like another person died. and It's like, all right, well, hold on. And this person died and this person died. And it was like, Became a like a Russian roulette of like who's gonna die, like you know, in the next month or so. But and it wasn't like every like some people were drugs, some people were like, you know, that one guy had a freak accident, and, you know, he got out, became a contractor, and then a, uh, he got a uh, what do you call it? Uh, a piece of shrapnel when he was overseas uh, hit him in a plate and, and jarred up like a what do you call that a blood clot in his lung. I mean, mm. uh, and he didn't notice it, you know, and he ended up dying.
0: It's sad I mean, well, from aneurysm,
1: but I mean, just uh, and then you know surgery to reset, you know, one yeah, and cancer, cancer and stuff like that. And, and that's just, another
0: thing we talk about the burn pits. You know, uh, you don't know the long term effects of what's going to happen from all that stuff burning.
1: Don't need to know. You can look at some of the case studies and oh, some of the, the people coming up with cancers they hadn't even never seen before, yes. like they were.
0: <laughs> and I think too, a lot of that could be from the vaccines, because like I said, when you left, I was pregnant with Caden, and you had to get that smallpox vaccine, I and they. They put everything in you, oh, yeah. everything, and you had to have it in order to deploy. And you know, I think a lot of that is um, some go, of those vaccines poisoning you, you. You
1: Go years without getting sick at all, yeah,
0: you like know, a superhuman, in, like And like, then all of a sudden, now you got cancer. It's like they yeah, they like, dope you, you up people, enough some to people fight.
1: Were like, never, like I, ne- I never got sick at all, and you know, like there were some people that like stayed sick.
0: Constantly.
1: Constantly, I don't
0: know. Yeah, well, I um, I truly, I thank God every day that you are one of the ones to make it home and, you know, you were able to make it through all that because, again, I feel like the war just really starts when you get home. Like you said, you lost more people after the war than you did while you were there. And so, um, you know, I don't think you guys, veterans, you get enough recognition it's or like enough you- help
1: not even like, uh, like. I think we, uh, expectations are, are too high for like society in general, right? What do you mean? Uh, you're taking like the social constructs of, of everything are, are are diluted to a certain extent, right? You're trying to take the military, which is in, in essence, I mean, it's a violent action. I mean, there's no, um, through the course of humanity, there's not like, we're not kissing babies and, 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 no. and that stuff. You're you're meant to 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 end life. That that's your whole sole purpose uh, of being a soldier. It's not you're not handing out supplies. So when you interject and you try to provide humanitarian sources like that, it's like it's like shooting yourself in the leg and then trying to triage yourself at the same time. And you continuously do it over and over again. And then on top of that, you're taking a very a very rough in, in Haggard instance, and you're trying to make it a profession like, oh, well, this is not this is, like this the is 20 not, years, yeah. well, not even the trip for 20 years, I'm just saying you're trying to take something and you're trying to, you know, make it uh, a corporation at, to a certain extent, you know, you, uh, uh, you got to have equality as far as I mean, uh, you know, from gender spe- perspective. Oh, and, that's nice. <laughs> And then, and then you, uh, you know, you got to sit through your PowerPoints on sexual harassment and you're taking it. It's the Catholic priest uh, syndrome. Whenever you're sitting here, you're taking a, uh, a man sticking him in a situation where he's running on high testosterone 24 right. seven. And, and then you're interjecting female into that, that high testosterone and you're expecting something combustion not to happen. Not saying that it's right, right, but it's like, if you know that's going to happen, don't do that. Well, look what like, happened
0: when you were deployed. You had these women that were attached to this other unit. They were attached to you. And I know that one girl, I'm going to mention her name. Yeah. She was like the the battalion bicycle. Everybody got a ride, yeah. you know? And what do they think is going to happen? I mean, let's be honest, you know? And it, like,
1: and you move past that and then you're saying, okay, well, you got to be professional in every aspect. So it's like you're constantly under a watch glass mm-hmm. and you're always, and then you then you throw deployment on the top of it and it's like there's so much chaotic stuff happening and you're trying to uh, y- you need something to burn hot you know 24/7 but you need it to be cool to touch and it doesn't work that
0: way no it doesn't and they try to make it something that it's not I mean yeah. we are humans this is the way that humanity works and you know like men, you just, it's instilled in you to protect a woman. So if you're in the middle of a battlefield and you see, a you know, a woman there, you're going to have 10 men trying to protect this woman, you know, and I'm, I was going to join the military before I met you, you know, 9-11 happened and I was like, I'm going to the Navy. I wanted to do this. And then I met you and then life changed. But, um, you know, it's like. I can't imagine like, even being on a ship with men for that long, you hear horror stories, you see things, and then they try to shove everything under the rug too. You know, it's like, they don't want to talk about, it. they don't want the PR mess, they don't want to deal with that. And so, you know, there's just so many problems already, but it, being deployed, you know, I, I just, I can't even imagine, I, I don't know. I,
1: know. I mean, it's a uh, defect is great.
0: I mean, the, I mean, defect, the defect the bread like,
1: with well, your oh no that was the Turkish people that would come down you know, straight legit in front of the bazaars Yeah. oh man but I don't know it, it, it's a it, it's a it's a learning experience right um and then uh, then it's not a learning experience anymore and it's like mm-hmm. don't like the uh, the pretense of, of why we went overseas right?
0: No, I don't think anybody really knows why. I think we can all, you know, our conspiracy theories. But like, you don't get it. Like,
1: it's a thing. Like, you don't, you don't get to pick and choose like where you go. Right? It's kind of you're, you're going to get assigned, and you you, you just get your go
0: orders, and you're you're gone.
1: And it's like you can debate everything afterwards, and, and, and uh, uh, you got to deal with your your buds as well because like if you say something of that 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 fi- faction or say something of that fashion and like they they perceive it a wrong way and then it's like oh well you're unpatriotic and yada 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 and it's like I, it's just don't be so close-minded about everything right,
0: right. well you know and one thing i have to say like when you were in the military you know they always want to try to divide us right yeah. but when you guys were in the military like chalmers That was my best friend. I love Chalmers. Oh, close knit.
1: Like everything. They called
0: you two Ebony and Ivory. Like you guys were like brothers, you know. And I still I love Chalmers. I send them Christmas card every year. And you know, that's the thing. It's like they try so hard to divide us. But when you're in the military, like you get a military family, you know, and Chalmers truly he was like a brother to me too. You know? Don't wake her up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like and that's the thing is is that you know you can't believe everything that the media tells you and and see everything on the news like race has no i don't know for you but like for me being on the outside looking in like race was never a thing in the military like no, you all you were just, just like
1: t- you like you all in the beginning in the beginning mm-hmm. you all <laughs> learn very distinctly that they don't give a crap about what color <laughs> you mean. are yes I, I stopped myself so i didn't have to bleed. They don't care about what color you are. They no. don't care about anything. You just know that in the beginning and even when you get into it, the, the big army is that you all get treated equally like yep. crap. Yeah. Um, and you learn that really fast. Either you learn it really fast or you don't survive. You right. you might make it through the training. You might get put in the battalion, but you die out of slow death at that point in time because you're not part of the uh, the mindset, Right. Mm.
0: Like, and you're uh, all brothers, literally. Your
1: brothers, right? And like certain, like uh, we, if you listen to like uh, Jock or any of those guys, like there's different flavors of the military, right? And you go in, we we talk about people who drink all the Kool Aid. They drink, they they drink the whole. They eat the pitcher, and that's the Marines. <laughs> Marines eat the whole. They, and they and, eat crayons too. They're immersed in in tradition, and that's a beautiful thing, right? Like they have a lineage, and they they live with it. You know, you know, and then you
3: have yeah, the the army
1: afterwards and and we're immersed in in uh uh in our culture but uh you know we have some some variants there and then you go into the navy and, and so forth and um uh, but we always say like the marines they they definitely drink them
0: <laughs> they drink <all> Kool <laughs> it's
1: like if there was a wall in front of them you're like run through the wall they would just keep running until the wall either like crumbled
0: Yeah, but you know that i've seen some pretty raggedy soldiers like oh yeah
1: well like any any
0: any, it's just
1: like with any like uh with any kind of profession or any kind of gender or any kind of race you always have the turds of the bunch oh yeah for sure
0: um so it's already 11 15 so we should probably end this here in a minute but um like for you you lived that life you Mm -hmm. know you you went to basic you did ait you you did the military thing you got retired out Mm -hmm you're now a veteran, like how do you feel like you're treated, whether it be by people or the government, like like what could we do better for our veterans? Like what? I don't know,
1: I like it, 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 it's not telling the society to go and, and talk to a veteran and stuff like that because mm. that gets already hammered down your throat enough. Talk to a vet, do this for a vet, do that and right. stuff like, um, I, I think it's just, it's in the beginning you society shunned us mm-hmm. and then you go through a part where it's like Stockholm syndrome, like, love me, love me, love me, love me. And it's like, you kind of get to where we're at now. It's like, I don't want you to treat me any, any different right. than anybody else. That's why I don't have a veteran plate license plate on my truck. I don't have, I don't wear like the grunt style and stuff anymore.
0: We did though. I,
1: yeah. For a while. <laughs> uh, or Adam like, you don't you eventually get to a point where it's like, I just want to be like
0: an normal person, right? Right?
1: I don't. Uh, uh, if I stick out, it's because I'm looking down on you. Because I'm <laughs> that's about <laughs> and i about in the negative way. It's just I'm a tall person. I just yeah, I want you to, to, to talk to me about like that something instead of being like, Oh, well, he's a soldier, I need to go up and, you know, express my gratitude, which I'm not against, right? If you if that's your, your niche, but it's like, I don't deserve praise more than anybody else than that's walking around. It's, it, it was a life decision. It was not like somebody held a gun to my waist and it was like, um, and it's voluntary at that point in time.
3: Right.
1: So, you know, keep people in your prayers and then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, you give them a nod here and there, but it's like, you don't got to break what you're doing just to still walk over and tell me that. But um,
0: some people like myself- and, and, like- and, that,
1: and that's fine, you know, but like, it's like, it became almost like, a. It's like it should be natural, right? Right. Whereas, like at that point in time, I felt like it was forced on society,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like I resent that. It's like I don't need you to tell society uh, that they should be thankful for me. I don't expect it, but like if it's given, it should be genuine. It
0: right. should not be like, like it's forced upon somebody to say yeah. thank you. Well, like the Vietnam veterans, I know that they were really treated. Yes, yeah, like mistreated. Yeah. Like and uh, they had a
1: horrible experience. And if anybody right. needed needed that that. I'm sorry. Uh, I appreciate your service. That that was the, that was a group of guys guys right there. That's like, we get, we, we, we got like a, uh, it's kind of like watching the the NFL or the NBA, you know, back in the sixties and seventies, it was, it was something, but nowadays it's like, we're pampered. And to a certain extent, like when you sit down in in real life and you, you talk to uh, uh, those guys in Okinawa and then, you know, you talk to the Vietnam vets, like just their, just have like unfiltered conversations, right? Mm-hmm. You guys get like a different conversation than we get like when they talk to you, it's it's contained in some, some of it's not, it depends on who you get. Uh, but when you talk uh, person to person, like, you know, I've been in your boots uh, to a certain extent. I've walked, walked, walked right. a little bit. Uh, you kind of get a understanding of how big the footprint you're trying to step into is. Like, right. It's like, OK, we had a really rough experience, but I had technology and I had the ability to yeah. talk to my family if I wanted to. I had the ability to see my children, you know, Caden would have been born. I would have been able to see him on a screen. I would have, I could have still interacted with you. Uh, and then society had already been programmed at that point in time to be nice to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a group of asses and then you, you step it back and you go you include, uh, you know, Desert Storm, those guys, uh, they, they got. Some amount. And if you go back even further and go to Vietnam, uh, you know, they got on right there. And if you go back, you know, and they had a really rough experience, where they medicated, you know, with alcohol and, yeah. and drugs and stuff like that. And if you step back and go to the Cold War, that's when you really start to like see like, okay, well, that was some some, some heinous shit right there. And then if you go back to World War Two, it, it's like a big WTF, like sitting down and talking to, uh, was it? Blessed with talking to three gentlemen during that time, two of them were in El Paso and one was in uh, Oklahoma, and it's just like they talk for fifteen minutes, um, but it seems like an eternity, right? And that's a lot for somebody to to speak a scenario,
0: right?
1: And you feel it, like you, you, you can you can feel it, like right? You know what? You understand what they're talking about, uh, and they can put you in a place and time and. Subconsciously, you eventually learn like, okay, I don't have anything to complain about, right? And that's one of the things that, that helped me is like, when I put everything in perspective, right? And I, we had about maybe 20 to 30 days where we received over like 50 to 70 rounds of small ammunition, right? Small arm fire rocket and stuff. And mortars. then it, it mortars the whole nine yards. And you know, you, you would get your occasional in, in engagements, and then you would get other engagements, and then you would get a lot of a lot of paraphernalia coming in. Boom, 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 boom. Right. But there was there was low times. There was there was not a constant barrage. Mm. And then when you t- you know, when you kind of crawl back, crawl back, crawl back, eventually you get to like a, an inevitable wall where these guys are talking about like being on a beach and they're getting shelf non-stop mm. for like sixteen to eighteen hours and then getting a break just so they can resupply like it's like
0: constant.
1: There's there's no there's no stopping.
0: No right? break,
1: right? And right. like some of these guys were only in, in this engagement for like a day or two. But like that was that was a lifetime.
0: Right. Like, yeah. You
1: know, like because if you you look at like any common iteration and stuff like you get in a firefight if you actually get engaged with somebody and stuff like that, it's a, it's a 10 to 20 second scenario. A minute is like a lifetime.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it feels like that. And and then
1: once you and when you've been in that and then when somebody's telling you, okay, well, I was, you know, you're talking to some Vietnam vets and they're like, hey, we were on high guard and we were taking shells and there was all this craziness going on. But we had the breaks and then we're like, yeah, the breaks, they suck, right? Because you're constantly on that blah brah, brah, brah. Uh, and, 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 you're euphoric in that and you don't have time to think about everything else going on it. And it's a good, it's a good, but like, it, it sounds good in your head and you're like, Oh, I want this. I want it I want the action all the time. But then when you talk to those guys and you get,
0: you got that smoke, you
1: get the, you understand like, okay, well, all right, I'm doing the math. Like, okay, well, not even a minute passed and
0: I've been actually
1: engaged and my hands are hurting because I'm gripping, you know, the rifle hard and my heart's going and it's like, you're trying to. Trying to like remember training and like okay where is this person going i don't want to f- well yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to mess up uh and you you got a whole lot of responsibility and you're like all right you're compartmentalizing all this and you're like okay two minutes max two minutes max two minutes max and you're like oh my god this feels like a lifetime right and then you stop and you get to breathe and you're unpacking everything and you're like talking to people and you're trying to make a very chaotic and a normal situation normal and you're, you're going through everything and and all this is going on and then somebody sits down on the couch and they're calm and cool and uh, Mr. Terry was the guy's name and El Paso, I remember he used to tap his foot and he was so calm and so cool about everything and he was like oh yeah you know it's uh, you know it's June and it just so happened to be that was like my wife's uh, like you know birthday and then like casually scrolling across okay yeah and we were in a firefight for a uh, uh, for about nine hours, uh, you know, with uh, Germans on on a beach, and and then uh, and then we came up, and he's like, we were constantly getting engaged for fifteen days straight, and then uh, we would uh, get knocked out. He's like, I got knocked out like three times, uh, but then I got repackaged, and they they would bring me back up to my unit, you know. <sighs> uh, and he's like, you know, he's like, every time you would get that normal feeling of like sitting there. Uh he said, but you would kinda go crazy because you would be expecting the air sirens and it's like and it's like you're sitting there and you're like, Oh the hell on it's like two minutes and you like you're talking about like like days. And, and you know, some of these guys went through like three, four, four years of like of this like lifestyle.
0: Constant. And Constant. were like
1: a cool I mean they buried that. I mean, talking about like the uh what is it, Tony Sproul used to say on that? Uh uh he's like uh what was it? He always, uh, uh, get Where's, where's the, what about the Gary Cooper type? The strong silent type. Oh, yeah. That is the strong silent type yeah. there.
0: You got to learn to control that. Well, that's not
1: even about control. I don't, I don't fathom or understand. And, and you know, you could talk to some of them. And a lot of those guys, I can knock it or whatever, were, they, they were rooted in faith. I mean, they, they oh, were, for sure. it was a different time and a different, a different place. And, you know, they just kind of chalked it up as like, Okay, well, we went through this very horrible experience. Uh but the Lord was the one that let us be there and he saw us through and, and they he did. And you can't argue. I mean, how the hell are you gonna argue with someone like that?
0: Well, it's like uh not afraid, said, but if people would only yield to Jesus, he will heal them, mind, body, and spirit. And it's true. You know, we wanna fight these battles alone so many times. And I know like when I lost faith. Yeah. Um, I wanted to fight that battle alone. I was angry. I wanted somebody to be mad at and I I had to realize that I couldn't fight that battle. I could not do it without God, without Jesus there at my side. I wanted to die, you know, like I'm sure I had some sort of PTSD myself. And, mm-hmm. and instead of being mad at God, I turned into him because I realized I cannot fight this alone. And um, I think you know, with a lot of veterans, I think they do find God because they're looking for something. Like I said, a lot of them turn to drugs and things like that. But I think if more would turn into Him, they would find a peace. And maybe He did that. That guy Terry that you're talking about, maybe that's what helped him through. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's like I don't know. It's a, uh, it's like and, and and you, you go through that and uh, all the uh, all the craziness that's packaged in there. I mean, we've had talks of. I mean, and, and obviously guys, like not everybody was like superhuman during that time. There was, there were so many guys that had like shell shock, but when you start talking about shell shock and then, uh, you know, uh, that's been repackaged so many times. Oh, yeah. it's like to now it's called a TBI, but it's like, if right. you look on medical, uh, you know, medical documentation, you know, when they start talking about charts and stuff, they didn't even, uh, they didn't even classify them with the same damn thing, which is absurd no. in, that, in that instance. They're like, oh, well, what's a different, uh. Clinical classification but it's the same it's the same it's thing. the
0: same thing truly it is
1: but anyways we'll, we'll stop talking and go on and on
0: well thank you for sharing that you know i know a lot of times you know our veterans they have a hard time opening up about it and i know for me when i started this podcast my first show was my testimony and i just feel that you know you get to know who i really am i'm going to be sitting here you're going to be listening to me you kind of get to know who i am so you heard my testimony and and hopefully we'll hear Matt's testimony someday. And we're working on it. Um, but um really, thank you for sharing that that that's. No I think more veterans need to speak out and tell their stories. and um, you know you guys truly are mistreated you're you're undervalued, and you know, for me, i I pray for our veterans. I pray for our military all the time because. You guys, you know, they say you don't go to war because you hate the enemy. You go to war because you want to fight for the people behind you, you know, the ones that you love. And um, I think, you know, we don't really know what the whole Iraqi war, Afghanistan war was all about. We think it's because of the terrorists, you know, that that's what we were told. And who knows? But the point is, you, um, you went and you did with only w- what 1% of people can do. And now you're having to live with all of that and um you're not alone i hope you know that you know i'm always here there's a million people here kind
1: of weird if i was alone (laughs) because i hear people
0: through this house 24 seven. yeah you know what i mean though there's so many people here who and you know like um, jen said drugs poppy absolutely afghanistan became the leading producer of poppy right before 9-11 happened and i don't think that's a coincidence but that's neither here nor there you know you, you did what you were called to do and now you've got an experience and you can share with the world. So you know, we love you. I love you. And you didn't drop an F bomb tonight. I am so proud of you. <laughs> oh my goodness. I saw you. You were getting ready to do it, but you stopped yourself. So On
1: multiple occasions.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh well um if anybody has any prayers just you want to put them up there and, and we'll get ready to pray. And we've got to be up early tomorrow for church. So Everybody's telling you, good job, Matt. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, if you would, please just go ahead and bow your heads, and I'm going to say a quick prayer so you all can go to sleep. Um, Thank you, Heavenly Father, so very much for giving us this opportunity tonight. Thank you for letting Matt share his story with the world, Lord. Um, There's just so much evil in this world, so much darkness, Lord, but we know through you there's light through your son Jesus Christ you gave us that light and we hope that we can help spread that light with the world Lord Um, we ask that you just be with all of our veterans and our soldiers Lord as as they struggle um, fighting these wars and and just their internal battles that they have Lord please let them know that they're not alone and there are many out there who truly do appreciate and care for them Lord We ask that you be with all of us here tonight, Lord, and all those who will listen to this later. Um, Just help those who are suffering, whether it be physically or mentally, spiritually, whatever, Lord. Let us help plant those seeds. Let us be your messengers. Let us guide those people to you, Lord, because we know that we are in trying times now, and we need you more than ever. It's so evident. Um, We see that you're you're separating the wheat from the chaff, Lord, and, and we can only hope that we can help bring your children back to you, Lord. Um, so we ask that you just continue giving us the guidance and the courage and the wisdom to to help those around us, Lord. Um, for those that are sick, like Vistas, Lord, please help heal them and put your loving arms around them and your hedge of protection. And all those who are being spiritually attacked, Lord, we see it on all fronts. And the enemy is just trying harder every day, Lord. But we put on that armor for you. We know that through your son, Jesus Christ, all things are possible, Lord. And we ask that you just help bring us closer to him so that we can continue fighting this battle. Um, Be with all of us tonight and and this weekend and and for the rest of our days here, Lord, until you call us home. Um, And just we thank you so very much for sending us your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us and for all of our sins, Lord. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and in your son, Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you all again so very much for joining us. You kind of got to know a little bit of my BFF here. He he really is a good guy, and, um, you know, he's come a long way. And, you know, we named this show The Forgotten Heroes and the PTSD. And until you've seen somebody suffer through um, PTSD, you know, you you can only imagine what it would be like. And, you know, I'll be honest, we had some rough days. Some days I didn't know if we were going to make it, you know. Um, But I'm not one to give up. (laughs) Neither is Matt. And, you know, we fought through so many things and we made it through. And I truly have Jesus to thank for that because there were just some days I I got down on my knees and I prayed, Lord, please help us get through this. You know, we, we need to get through this. And, um, we did you know I, I do I truly give all the glory to God because i I don't know where that strength came from from either of us, and you know, like I said, I worried many times that I would be you know another statistic, another military wife who you know had to raise her kids alone, and you know, the good Lord gave us all this time together, and I pray that he gives us many more years to to raise these children and and you know raise them up upright and um you know we learn we learn from from past mistakes and we learn from our, our past experiences. And you know, the more we lean into him, I think the stronger we all become. So um, I truly am blessed just to have everybody here tonight to know all of you. And, and I really thank you from the bottom of my heart. So I hope you all have a blessed night and a good Sunday tomorrow. If you're going to church, praise God, I need to get there. I need some Jesus in my life, so. Thank you all again so much. I hope you all have a wonderful evening, and I will see you tomorrow for Scott's show. So have a good night. God bless. Love you all.
3: I'm sorry, but I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all.
0: Even now, my voice
3: is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women, and children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. For those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die You are not machines! You are not cattle! You are men! You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate, only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery!